thanks for joining us here this morning. So glad we can be together, spend this time uh, in worship and consideration of, hey, what's God doing in us and amongst us? This is a beautiful opportunity here this morning. I graduated high school at 17 years old, and um, uh, let's be honest, I was just a kid without a lot of perspective, without a whole lot of life experience, and I remember at 17 years old heading off to college and uh, thinking, I will never come back to the Tri-Cities. Like, I'll come and visit, but I am not moving back to the Tri-Cities. Uh, it was a little bit ignorant. Uh, it was a little bit prideful, right? Like, I, I don't even know what's going on in my head there, except that as I've reflected back on the things that I was feeling and the things that I was thinking, uh, I think I, I realized that in my youth, uh, I had failed to learn to see people. See, any criticism I had of this community uh, or the community that I'd grown up in might revolve around superficial things like the size of a mall or the number of movie theaters, right, as a kid. Uh, what, what were the things that I disliked about it? Uh, you know, it's not the weather. Uh, it wasn't the people. Uh, see, I'd grown up with all sorts of beautiful experiences and some challenging experience in this community. But what I realized is I had failed to, to learn the ability to see people. Because if I were basing this decision upon the people that I knew, and the people that I cared for, the people that, that, that I wanted to, to develop relationships with and share Jesus with and all of these different things, well, it would have been an entirely different story and conversation. This last week after getting home, uh, we were just spending family time with our girls and we watched a movie called Wonder. Has anyone seen the movie Wonder yet? Or read the book? Um, I highly recommend it. Uh, I will not spoil it for you. Uh, but I've got I've to quote Augie Pullman, uh, the, the main character, this movie. A young boy who was uh, born with birth defects and uh, you know, goes to school looking very different than the kids around him is, is the story of wonder. And at the end, I believe he's quoting his principal at this point, but he, he says these words. He says, be kind, for everyone is fighting a hard battle. And if you really want to see what people are, all you have to do is look. I grew up without that ability to look and see beyond superficial things, to look and to know people. And by the grace of God uh, and stories like Augie Pullman's, uh, I am learning to look more intently. When's the last time we took a, a, a good look at the community in which we live? When's the last time any of us, like intentionally, looked into the lives of people that we work with, the lives of people that we cross on the street? Let's be honest, we live busy lives distracted by our cell phones any moment we could stop and look or stop and rest. We live busy lives and rarely take the time to stop and to look, to observe people around us, things around us, what God is doing around us. So we're going to dig into this idea of a place, the, the power that exists in a place, the power being God and the place being significant. Because I believe God has put us in a particular time, in a particular place, for particular reasons. So let's talk more about place. We're going to go to Acts chapter 17, verse 16. 
In this story, Paul is on a missionary journey. He is out sharing the good news, the gospel. Jesus has risen from the dead, and he comes to this town called Athens. And he's waiting for his companions that are traveling on this missionary journey with him. And uh, it says in, in Acts chapter 17, verse 16, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. That's an interesting statement, considering all the gods they worshipped. They said... This because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know this new teaching that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking and listening, talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So, you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. Fascinating beginning to the story, right? Paul finds himself in Athens waiting on other people, but he doesn't sit idly and he doesn't pull out his cell phone and distract himself with other things. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. If you're using the YouVersion app, you're welcome to have your cell phone out. He doesn't distract himself with other things, but he embeds himself in the community, right? He, he digs in and, and he sees all of these other gods and he says, this, this doesn't work. They don't know the one true God. And so he begins to engage in conversation. Where does he, where does he go? He goes to the synagogues. Yes, that's natural as a Jewish man. Uh, but he, he, he does something else there. He goes to the marketplace. He goes and begins, begins to mingle amongst the people, to rub shoulders with and have conversations with the day-to-day ordinary people amongst the community, he's in a season of discernment, right? Who are these people? What drives them? What are their thought processes? What is significant? What is unique about this community into which Paul has found himself? And so when he's called in front of the Areopagus, he says this to them, I see I see that you are very religious people, right? He says, I see. Having been through this this season of discernment, Paul has a good read, a good gauge on what what, what the thought processes are that drive this culture and this people and the ways that they operate. And so he speaks into their world with a message of hope, a message about Jesus and resurrection. It was some time ago that, um, that we as a church engaged in a season of community uh, vision and prayer. And the purpose of this uh, was that we as a people in a community, as we all have different experiences in the Tri-Cities, begin to discern uh, both the needs of our community and the places that God is moving in this community. 
Like, what drives this community? And so we talked about the history of the Tri-Cities. Uh, we talked about organizations that exist and needs that, ex- that, that, we, that we can perceive as a people. And each evening in the season, we spent time praying for people, praying for this place, praying for community. It's a journey we continue to be on. Uh, we did not find such clarity that uh, the question is over. In fact, I think this is a continual process of discernment. As we meet new people, as we have new experiences, as a community develops, we continue to ask, well, what are the needs? What are, uh, the, the, um, what are the major subjects of this community and this people? And how is God engaged in this place? So Paul did that in Athens. And through his discernment, he says, here's what I see about you. Here's what I know about you. And he said, but you're ignorant about this one God. You even have a shrine that says you're ignorant about this one God, right? That's what he tells him. And, uh, and he says, so I'm going to tell you about this God. Listen in verse 24 and listen to how it will relate to our conversation of community and what God is doing in a community. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And he does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself, sorry, rather he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So Paul goes and, and describes to these people the God of the universe, right? The God who created everything, but he describes it in terms that are relevant, that are understandable to the very people he's talking about. And he describes God in these ways. Not only did he create, but he gives life and breath, and he gives, gives everything that we know around us. He says, this God, he made the nations and he appointed times and places. Did you hear that word in there? Like God has appointed times in history and boundaries for their lands that that God is not far off. He says, the reason God has done all this and given life and breath and communities and nations is that people might catch a glimpse of what he's doing, that they might reach out, but God is not far away. God is near. Now, as Paul says this, he's speaking to Athens, I mean, a hub of foreign gods and idolatry and all this, but did you hear what he said to these people? Reach out because God is not far from any of us. Speaking of of people there in Athens. And I think this is a remarkable realization as we begin to shift our conversation into the neighborhoods and the communities in which we live. I have a good friend, Brandon Baker, I mentioned him a minute ago, who is a church planter in Texas, and they're planting in this um, kind of inner city, very forgotten, very um, very mistreated community in, in Temple, Texas. 
And as they moved into the neighborhoods, he described uh, this last week in, in, in one of the talks there at the conference, he said, we came in thinking we were going to create something new. But when we got there, we realized there was already a lot going on. And this is a beautiful principle as we consider what does it look like to engage in the work of God in our particular place, in our particular time, what is already happening, right? How does the gospel speak into the rhythms of this community as they already exist? Further, what is God already doing in this community that invites us to come alongside the things that he's doing and participate in his beautiful work in a community? Because God is not far off. I realize that sometimes it looks and it feels that way, but God is not far off. He is engaged in the things happening in these communities, in these places. God is the power in place, in this place and in all places. Now, throughout Scripture, there's an example of, of this significance of place, and I just want to mention two more. The one was the story of Paul and how he engaged a particular place, but twice place becomes really distinctive, and I think many of us would find ourselves falling into kind of one of these two categories as to where we're at right now in our lives. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus, Jesus has just healed a man who was possessed by demons, and, uh, and, and following that, the man's like, Jesus, I want to go with you. I want to follow you. Verse, Mark 5, verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed at what he told them. So in this case, the man comes in contact with Jesus, realizes the work of God in his life, and, and he's like, I want to go, right? This is kind of my story in high school. I, you know, I felt called to missions, and it's like, I got to go. Forget this place. I'm on my way. And just like this man, Jesus very clearly called me back to my home and to my family and to the, to the people that I had known as a child saying, go back home and tell people of my love and mercy. Some of us might fall into that category. We've either lived here a long, long time or grew up this co- in this community. And sometimes, like this man, we're like, ah, I just kind of want to go. Or we kind of just care less about the things that are so familiar. That sounds more exciting out there. But Jesus in this man's life says, no, I want you to stay. I want you to plant deep roots. These will be your people, and you will be my witness amongst them. Some of us find ourselves in a different category, and this will sound kind of extreme. Maybe it is. Maybe, uh, maybe you're in the Tri-Cities, and like this is the armpit of the earth, and I despise being here, right? I don't know. Maybe there's someone in here that feels that way. Uh, we wouldn't be the first. Uh, in fact, in Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 through 7, um, Oh, I hear some giggles. There's people in here that feel that way. I got a a verse for you, okay? Jeremiah 29, um, God's people, Israel, uh, has been conquered. They have lost uh, their king and their nation, their sovereignty, and, uh, and, and many of them have been taken off as refugees or are in exile in Babylon. And listen to what God says to these people, taken against their will to another nation where they've been mistreated, enslaved. Here they are living in another nation. Jeremiah 29, 4, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I carried into, into exile. 
from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city in which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. What a fascinating perspective for God to place upon these people, taken against their will to a land they do not want to be in. He says, plant roots, live lives, help that community prosper. You see, wherever we find ourselves in this journey of, this is where I chose to be, this is home, this is my place, or I'm not sure why I'm here, the message in Scripture is the same. It says, plant roots, go deep, live intentionally. You see, there is power in place. There is power in this place, and we are invited to participate in it. Jonathan Wilson Hargrove is an amazing man whom I got to go visit in Durham, North Carolina years ago and spend most of a week uh, walking amongst his intentional community there in in Durham and uh, read a number of his books. He's He's a phenomenal man. And in his book, The Wisdom of Stability, he says a couple things that I think are really pertinent to this conversation. Um, to, co- to climb ever closer to God is not to move away from our troubled or, or, or troubling neighbors, but closer to them. He says, in our pursuit of God, it does not cause us to withdraw from troubling things and circumstances amongst us, but in fact, we move closer to God as we move in towards those challenges amongst our neighbors, amongst our communities. He says, if personal peace of mind is the highest good we can imagine, life with other people becomes difficult, especially when we are divided by cultures, values, education, or class. And I think that's that's remarkably true. Like my story of leaving high school, getting out of high school, let's be honest, I had one pursuit and that was peace of mind and my own well-being. And it made it really hard to see people. It made it really hard to know people, to know and to be known became incredibly challenging. So here's where I want to take it as we, as, as we begin to close out and we'll take communion together in just a minute. Here's here's what I want to ask us. Uh, What about our community? Is there power in this place? Is God at work in this community? And is is he inviting us into something remarkable? According to one of the passages we read today, God has placed us here and now, right? God drew out the boundaries of this community, of these neighborhoods, and look at how he has placed us here Further scripture told us, now plant roots, go deep, embed in your community, have its interests at mind, and be my witness, he said to the man who had been healed of demons. He says, be my witness, share with people what I have done for you. So what does it look like to take seriously this conversation of place, the community in which we live? I want to I show you two passages that are just beautiful of what God is doing in this community and communities throughout the world. But listen to this, Isaiah forty three nineteen. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do, not, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. 
we can uh, relate to that desert with rivers in it part, right? That's one, one thing the Tri-Cities has going for it, rivers through a desert. And, and it says, God, God says, I am doing a new thing. Can you perceive it? Have you seen it? This is that invitation to, uh, to seek what God is doing amongst us. Can you perceive the things I'm doing? Have you discerned what is happening in you, amongst you, in your community? Revelation 21.5 says, um, and, he, and he, who sitteth, he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Is that a prayer you'd be willing to pray with me for our community? Like in the weeks and months to come, a prayer, God, yes, make things new in our community. Make us new and allow us to be agents in this journey, this beautiful mission of God, which is to make things new. The first step for us, I'm convinced, is this, that we need to have eyes to see. So the primary challenge, the thing I want to lay out for us today is to go into our week with eyes that see, not blinded by busyness, not blinded by our prejudice, not blinded by all of the other things in life that can cause us to walk with our blinders on. But instead, I want to invite us to to begin to look, to begin to see the things around us. And I'll challenge us with the example of Jesus as he came to earth. The story of Jesus is a story of a man on the margins, right? The story of Jesus is a story of God coming down to be in our place, to walk in our shoes, to put down roots and give his life sacrificially. Uh, Jesus was born to an unwed woman in Galilee. Talk about the armpit of a place. That's what Galilee was known as, right? Galilee was this place away that no one wanted to be. He likely had an accent that was associated with ignorant, uneducated people right? Jesus from Galilee, from God to Galilee, to an unwed mother. He engaged in, um, in ministry at the margins, right? He engaged in healing, hurting people, touching a leper. He spoke to those that were beaten down and poor and suffering, and he cared deeply for them. And in time, he was hung on a cross outside of town, on a hill, again on the margins. The story of Jesus is a story of the margins, the story of those that are pushed outside. And so friends, I want to challenge us with this as we we go into our neighborhoods and our community and our workplaces, let's have eyes for people and let's notice the margins. Let's notice the people that are marginal, marginalized, that do not have the opportunities that we have, that are living difficult lives. Jesus, God, the gospel cares deeply for people, for those that are left out for those that are left behind. And thank God that he works in that way because that was all of us at one point in a spiritual sense. The gospel speaks powerfully to the margins. So today, as as we begin to close out and to leave from here, I'm going to invite us into a time of communion. Now, communion is a time when each week we have communion available. Sometimes we celebrate it in a, in a particular way like we will this week. It's a time that we remember Jesus. 
We remember his body that was broken and his blood that was shed, and we do so with, uh, with bread and with grape juice or wine. The, the, the bread representing his body that was broken, the grape juice representing his blood that was poured out for the many, for us. And, uh, and today I want to take a little bit of, a, of another focus in communion. As we talk about this idea of, of going out into our community, uh, people who are called, the people that are invited to engage in the work of God, Henry Nowen, uh, he writes a book called Life of the Beloved, a remarkable book and read. And um, he talks about the church as a Eucharistic community. Eucharist is another word for communion, okay? So uh, he talks about the body of Christ, the church, as a Eucharistic community. And he says that we are called to be the broken bread and the poured out wine for the people around us. That as followers of Jesus, not only do we take communion to remember what Jesus has done for us, but we then become that broken bread and that poured out wine that goes into our communities. Uh, This last week, Elaine Heath, is it Heath? Elaine Heath at this conference, a remarkable lady, uh, researcher, writer, that um, I hope is going to visit here in time and you'll get to speak with her. Elaine Heath was talking about the same concept of a Eucharistic community. And she described it in these terms. We come together, this eclectic group of people. It's like God has made not just, uh, not just a simple bread, but like a multigrain bread that when it's broken open, right, it, it smells and it tastes beautiful and it's diverse, full of good things. And he's taken and he's made this multigrain bread and he breaks it open in worship. And there's this beautiful aroma as we worship together. But then God gives that bread away into the neighborhoods, right? And the next Sunday, God brings us back together and he needs us together into this beautiful multi-grain loaf of bread. Then he breaks that loaf and he sends it again. You see, we as Eucharistic community, we are gathered We are blessed, we are broken, and we are sent. And it is a cycle of church that is remarkable and beautiful. We are gathered, we are blessed, we are broken, and then we are sent. And so that is the message today. And our communion thought as we move into this time, we are a people that have been blessed by God. We've been called into this beautiful, eclectic, unique community of followers of Jesus, but it's not just for our own sake, and it's not just for what we do here on, for an hour on Sunday or, or in small groups and the other things that we do know. It's for the sake of the many. It's for the sake of our particular time, place, and people. Jesus is sending us out. So as Sally and Giovanna... And our team leads us in worship here in a minute. I'm going to invite you to stand and uh, to come down the center aisle. And on either side, you'll be able to come and take communion. And, and we'll have bread available for you. You can take that bread. You can dip it in the grape juice. And in that, remember Jesus and his sacrifice, his body and his blood. But remember also that we are that sort of community. A bread broken for the many. A wine poured out for the nations for our particular time and place <laughs> as well. Father God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for Jesus, for his sacrifice, and we thank you for your invitation that we can participate in the great things that you are doing in this world. So thank you, Father, for a time that we can remember uh, Jesus 
broken body and, and blood poured out, but also, Father, that we can remember that we are that bread broken and sent out, that wine poured out for a people. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. So today, as we close out, I'll, I'll end uh, with, again, the words of Augie. Be kind, for everyone is fighting a hard battle. And if you really want to see who people are, you simply have to look. So as we go out today, may we see people and our place clearly. May our hearts beat for those around us. May we participate in the mission of God as we strive to know and to be known in our community. Be blessed. Have a beautiful week. Go with God.